Hey, beautiful, multidimensional, bright, shining, heart-centered soul fam. Welcome to today's Ceremony Circle podcast journey. For anyone new to the show, I am your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And I want to let you know that we are now entering into the closing episodes that close out an epic season two of Ceremony Circle. I want to thank each and every one of you for saying yes to your own expansion and sitting by the fire with us for every episode. Your presence and magic are felt, and it's precisely in that space of leaning into our own evolution and inner work that we can be of greatest service for this planet and all of the worlds beyond. So thank you for being with me for two potent seasons of Ceremony Circle. And in these last few episodes of season two, I decided to bring unique medicine ways in. You'll either be entering into a space now where you'll actually hear me being interviewed on other amazing podcasts, or you'll be graced with a weekly divination card reading episode from my Animal Power card deck, which is officially released August 16th. I am so proud of it, so excited for you to experience it. And if you already have my best-selling Animal Power book, know that this Animal Power deck is the perfect companion for it. I actually designed it that way, so I cannot wait to hear about the magic that happens for you when you work with both of them together. All right, well, it is good to switch things up every now and again. So with all my heart, I hope you enjoy this momentary change of pace for these last few episodes of season two so that we can all gather together and bring in some new energies into the Ceremony Circle space starting in September when we'll be back with our fiery season three. It's gonna be our best yet. So until then, you're now entering into another dimension. So kick back, enjoy today's episode, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. It was a one moment in time where my clear audience gift turned on. I saw really horrific proof of what was going on in the relationship. The veil lifted. My egoic shell just got obliterated off of me, you know, dropping to your knees and crumbling to the ground, but simultaneously having the most enlightening, miraculous moment of your life. Wow. The duality at, at I once. feel that. Oof. It was a life changer, Cal. And now I'm a shaman. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of people in general are in these voided areas of feeling these old paradigms of the old way of how they were living life. It's becoming unbearable. And there's just no more denying that who you once were is just not who's trying to be embodied in you. I had more and more awakenings. Spirit was showing me, replaying my life, but without all the illusion and denial. The big step I took was my surrender. I'm finally ready to get out of my own way. I mean, when you do that, that the guidance and answers come. I then heeded that guidance. That's vital step number two. I mean, I guess you can just ignore them, but you're not going to get anywhere. (laughs) 
Like that's not <laughs> going to do much. The medicine name downloaded in rock star shaman. Is it to take some of the gravity or being a shaman? It's almost like make it a little more playful or. It's that, but it's also representative of the two main places that I connect into rock, great mother earth and star, great spirit. Whoa. I had definitely not put that together. Most people don't. And it's a part of the medicine. I know who I am and I know the place from which I do this work. I'm really proud of how I have walked this path. It has absolutely not been easy. One of the tasks that I have been given is to help be a returner of shamanism back to what it really is, back to its original truths. I honor the human in me, and I'm not trying to say that I don't fumble at times, but what I choose in walking this path is to do it with the healthiest embodiment and integrity that I possibly can. is on that one. Do you know? I actually don't, but you're welcome to play it anytime you're over here. Thank you. That really has a nice transmission it sends out. Well, that, my friends, <laughs> is my dear friend, Allison Charles. There's, there's so much to cover today I and mean, we won't get to everything, <laughs> yeah. but um, it was funny. You know the story, but uh, a woman that does PR for you, uh, Karina, is that how you pronounce her name? Correct. She reached out and with this beautiful email <laughs> kind of introducing you and, you know, Luke Story's wife, da, 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 da. I was like, I like, you've been, I have a little list I keep of people that when the time is right, I want to, I want to reach out and ask, just like totally tune into that. Mm-hmm. And she reached out. I'm like, oh, this is the perfect time. Like, you have your book coming out. You, it wasn't released yet, but um, it has since been released and we're going to get into that for sure. But I was, uh, yeah, I, it was, it was, you know. It was funny how, yeah, the divine moved through her because I, I had mentioned, you know, before you reach out to podcast hosts, like, let me know what, who's on your list in case I already know them. And for, you know, and she's doing an incredible job, but for some reason I didn't know she was reaching out to you. So then, yeah, when she told me, um, and she's like, yeah, he had, he was so nice. He said, you guys are close friends and I'll see you at the hot springs on uh, Friday. And so you guys can just sort it out from there. And so... And, and I was, as we chatted in those springs on that Friday, I was glad that she actually sent the email because, you know, it is such an intriguing thing being a podcast host, especially in a community like ours here in Austin. And I don't think I would have ever asked you, you know, like, cow, can I be on your podcast? I just, I just would have probably waited for the invitation. And if it didn't come, would have trusted that. And so the way that somehow it all just came to be, it ended up being really beautiful. So thanks for having me. Oh, of course. And, and I totally get that. I, I don't know that I've ever asked to have been on someone's because it is awkward and plenty of people have reached out, whether cold calling or I would say anyone who's like really close to me hasn't. And people that are kind of on that outer ring have, and it just hasn't felt right. Yeah. It's fascinating for me to observe all of that too, because as you now know, I have this background in radio and television. And then for many years, um, you know, so many of my friends and Luke had launched their podcast, you know, we're talking six, seven, eight, whatever years ago. And throughout the course, many of them would say, 
why don't you do a podcast? Like you're a radio host, but it just, I only, I truly live by the divine calls and I was not feeling a true call to have a podcast. Well, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, a number of years that call, I felt the first layer of it start to move in. And I sat with it for about a year and then the call got louder and clearer. And then I said, okay, I, I am ready. So now it's like the name, the texture, the essence, the intention. I mean, there's so much medicine and alchemy and intentionality and energetics that go into having a podcast, especially the type that you and I and Luke and and some of our other friends have. It's, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy job. And um, so I'm so glad I answered the call and Luke and I were in our previous house in LA and Laurel Canyon when the download for the name Ceremony Circle came in and we just looked at each other and knew. And then I thought, okay, let me Google, see if the .com's available and everything was there, Cal. Yeah. What are the chances of that? That's the world's oldest practice, like sitting in ceremony in a circle, like <laughs> ceremonycircle.com available. <laughs> yeah. That's when I knew I said, okay, this is mine and, and here we go. But yes, and my point is too then, now that I said yes to that and have had it for the past year, yeah, the tuning in and and the receiving of the clarity and the awareness of of who should be next and and the subject matter to cover with who it's it's a real fine art. Um, so it, it does take a lot of balancing and authentic expression when an invitation to come on your show comes in and it just you can just tell and you and you need to hold that line of what feels clear and divinely right. And, um, so there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that that is such a, like, that is just life. I think in, in a microcosm of, of just paying attention to that call and being patient. And I know that's something that is, has this in particular, this project for me, this podcast has been a, a great exercise in me just following that and then having those boundaries of having to say no, I've had to say no a, a lot. And what I've finally come, you know, uh, my, my response is generally like, look, I, I just wait for the call. And my intuition tells me who the next guest is going to be, because it's something that is in my field, someone that I'm connected to someone's story that I just, I want to go deeper into. I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So that's been a, a great kind of practice for me. Mm-hmm. I love that you wove patience in. Um, that seems to be a theme coming into a lot of my conversations and interviews lately is, uh, and even when I give my talks, um, you know, I somehow got pulled into giving a lot of talks on psychedelics in the last um, couple of years, which that was a very intriguing door opening for me, but I speak a lot about that, you know, the, the trusting in divine timing and the big picture. And if there's one thing that I, well, there's a few things that I genuinely feel I have become quite masterful at and holding the line, holding the divine line is, is one of them. And, and when you live from that place of those divine instructions and calls and the guidances that come in and you start to learn how to co-create and, and be of this world and in the unseen worlds and, and bringing all of it together into that oneness orb of divinity, that learning how to do that, it, 
will drop you in and anchor you in into such a peace and a trust. And that's what helps you learn how to stay patient and trust the big picture and hold the line because you're being moved from and you're stepping from and you're breathing from that place of divine instruction. And so that's been one of my saving graces for sure is learning how to be embodied and live from that place. I'd love to actually go deeper into that because I think that is pretty much a lost art in our world today. And I know that, that as I've become more and more kind of attuned to what I need, I've really started to follow that and it's become so much easier to know what my path is. And so I'd love, like, what are some things that like those, when you do have to put up those boundaries that have maybe been difficult in the past, but now you, you're able to come forward with integrity and I know for me, it's, I don't want to let someone down. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want someone to take this personally. And I've, I've started to let go of that and understand that if I'm clear mm-hmm. and, you know, as, as Don Miguel Ruiz would say, impeccable with my word, then if there's any tension, it's not mine. Correct. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. There's so much. Um, yes, I have, I, I don't know when my clarity and my ability to have such clear and strong discernment and boundaries came in. It was, you know, obviously a byproduct of walking the path in the way that I have been instructed to and chosen to for a number of years that I just recall all of a sudden starting quite a few years ago, I just felt really adept at those skills and it, and it just really became quite easy because I felt so clear and I'm just unwilling to budge out of that clarity. I am unwilling to do it. And I get, I can feel the fire in me growing as, as I'm talking about this, because I know what life is like when you allow yourself. Uh, That's the great reminder, right? For me, I look back and when I'm going on what I think other people's wishes are and completely- And getting out of integrity. Yes. It is fucking brutal. It's ugly. It's suffering. It's anguishing. It's um, tumultuous, arduous lessons that don't need to be as tumultuous and arduous. (laughs) And yeah, it takes you into a way of living that's trying, it's clamoring to get your attention, saying you're out of integrity. You're out of your divine alignment. You're out of your soul's calling, your earth mission. And that's why it feels so horrid when you're outside of that place. And so Yes. I mean, due to, and, and I thank God, goddess, great spirit, great mother earth, and the own willingness of my soul, try to really speak that acknowledgement and and give that place of reverence and, and honoring in every interview and every talk, because that guidance system, that navigation system, I feel really truly did save my life. And in my choosing to surrender to those places and live in devotion to those places, every day to the best of my ability, I just have gotten so clear. And so, um, and I know the miracles that it has brought me and the places that it's taken my life in terms of birthing animal power book, in terms of Luke and I getting together, in terms of us hearing the call to move here. And I'd never even been to Austin and instantly, you know, being invited into your home and other people's homes and the places that my life has gone through 
holding the line and trusting and keeping that discernment with that clarity, I just, I will not go against it. As, as uncomfortable as those conversations might be, because it has brought, you know, there have been really difficult times in terms of relationships, um, you know, that I, I foresaw having for the rest of my life, this lifetime, but, you know, certain things happening. Um, and while it brought so much pain and so many initiations, and I went through some of the most uncomfortable energetics of my whole life at the tail end of 2021, but I knew, I, I, I know enough, the alchemy of things, right? And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of work for me in here. And there's a lot for me to unravel. And when I would peer into the teachings and lessons, what is mine? What is theirs? What's my responsibility? What's not? What are the lessons? When I would go in, it was like a spider web with just infinite, infinite things to look into. But I went in there and I stay in there and, and, and I trust myself to do the work. And I thought, you know, as much as the easy, seemingly easy route would be to like, just get back into this relationship containers, try to smooth things over the best you can. I knew I needed to stay in this wild discomfort and do all of the medicine teachings and learnings I needed to. And I, and I knew there was something miraculous on the other side and where, you know, my relationship with a couple of these people might go, I have no idea, but I know that that container had to be done and released with honor and set aside to allow a whole new shape to be born, not just for myself, but for the other people involved too. And those are, you know, those are not easy waters, but when you just feel the depths of your soul or you feel that clear divine alignment in terms of what you know you need to do, you do it. And there's always, there's always something majestic. There's always, I popped out of that tail end of last year, And I can now honestly say I am filled with more incredibly deep gratitude than ever before in my life, more happiness than ever before in my life. I'm more authentically me than ever before in my life. And it, I mean, it's a culmination of a lot of things, but I know going through those initiations helped pop me into the place that I am now. So you just have to trust. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so tell me, tell me this, does it look like maybe some, some, people that were in your, let's call it your inner circle are no longer there in, in kind of cleaning that up. Is, is that, I mean, that's what I'm receiving here. Yes. Yeah. 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 Really close friends that, you know, had been the, some of the closest for a very, very long time. Um, and I, and I still love them so much, but there was something going on in that container. Um, that I think none of us were fully aware of until, yeah, there was a bit of a relationship implosion and explosion that happened that really rocked all of us, I think in different ways, but it was, there's so much grief, so much heartbreak, so much sadness, anger. I mean, it, it took me so many places, disappointment, rage. I did a number of like fire, you know, releasing ceremonies to honor, you know, the emotions that were coming up, um, to go into them fully and to speak to them fully. But, um, you know, it doesn't do anyone good to sit and rage beyond, uh, the necessary capacity, but yes, it was, it dealt with two very close friends, um, the, and, and the unexpectedness of the, 
the disillusion of the relationship. Um, that was really hard too, because it, it was a just out of nowhere, you know, the relationship changed course. So yeah, I went from having people that, you know, a couple of people that I talked to pretty much every day to, you know, now there's not much, if any communication at all. And I, I still feel, you know, even when I just said that part of it, I felt some swirls go up through my heart of, you know, some emotion and sadness because it's loss, you know, when you lose, um, some, some friends, um, and, in that way, I, I moved through a lot of grief at that, that, and that was probably the biggest theme in the tail end of that year was part of the many nonstop and, uh, you know, a successive and simultaneous initiations all happening at once the last like three or four months, it was really challenging and grief was probably the main theme of it all. Even the, uh, you know, the artist for animal power book dying. I mean, that was, again, you know, a completely unexpected piece of information to receive. And he and I, and our, you know, honoring our soul agreement and contract to come together to birth Animal Power Book. I mean, there's a whole story behind, you know, selecting him and just the power that he gave to make sure that each of the 100 animals had the embodiment of their teachings. It was a whole journey. And so, you know, him passing away and then my, my dear Grammy Bernice, who was so close to my whole life. Um, she lived a wonderful life. You know, she almost got to 100, um, you know, but she passed away and there was just so many different shapes and forms of death and birth and grief. And it was so intense and so many layers to all of it. I was navigating so much all at one time. It was, it was, it was hard. There were some times I went to Luke and I, and I said, you know, I knew I would be okay. Um, but I definitely let him know I'm off. I'm like, you know, my, my mental health feels askew from the norm. And there was another initiation unexpectedly. He and I were in the bedroom one day and, um, and I don't know how familiar you are with Kali, goddess Kali, the, you know, fiery. A little bit. Yeah. She's not one of the main, um, goddesses that I've worked with this lifetime. I've mainly worked with goddess Isis and some others, but when Kali comes in, there is no mistaking it. And, um, yeah, I mean, some people are like, when these things happen to you, are you like, in another country or in a ceremony or in a teepee. I'm like, no, the vast majority of my shamanic initiations happen in the living room at home. Or, you know, back when I used to live alone in, in a tiny little studio in Brooklyn, um, that cave of a place was really potent. But anyways, this Kali initiation came in and it took me and I don't, it could be potentially um, hard for some listeners to hear. So that's the only reason I hesitate being fully honest on the visions that came in, but I will just say they were incredibly graphic and represented graphic extreme death. And the, the, the vision was the same, but it came in like three or four times in a row. And I knew that I wasn't going to do anything to harm myself. I was aware there was a shamanic initiation happening and I was aware that it was of Kali, the fire of her coming in, the fire of change, the fire of death and rebirth. So I was feeling what I was feeling and yes, it was scary. And I was seeing the visions I was seeing and yes, it was scary. But then there was this whole other aspect of myself that had the conscious awareness of what was going on. So again, like these are the kinds of conversations that I'm having with myself and having with Luke, like, Hey, 
you don't need to be alarmed. I'm not going to do anything to myself, but I want you to be aware that I just had this initiation and involved this type of graphic vision. So that's just a little, I don't know how we got, how I got us pulling over there, but I love it. that happened at the last end of the last year. And is that like you're laying in bed, you're asleep, it's dream, like what, well, what is- Well, you know what it is? It's actually taking me back to the beginning thread of this whole conversation of when you do anything that's out of alignment. Now, when I do anything that's a touch askew out of what I know I sh- should and need to be doing, the, the, um, the communication that I'm askew, it's not mild and it's not like slow burn. It's like, <laughs> boom, you're out. So it, what was happening was, um, haven't talked about it too much, but I feel good in, in doing it and just honoring it and wrapping it in sacred space as I speak about it. But Luke and I are getting to a place of readiness to hopefully start our own family. And he, the way he and I, we have a lot of similarities, he and Luke and I, but then there are also a lot of ways that we do things very, very different. And in this situation, there's a dear sister of ours who, if I were to have a fertility or birthing guide or priestess that I would work with, it would be her. And she had you know, gifted us her beautiful course. And it's an incredible course. And I recommend it to people, but the way that I need to walk this path of hopefully getting pregnant and birthing a healthy child for the first time, I need to adhere at least right now to strictly what my body intelligence is telling me and what God goddess is telling me. And I, I'm not to go outside of that, but in this night, I wanted to be open-minded and the way Luke likes to approach things is with education and listening and digestion. And he listens to tons of podcasts and I never listen to podcasts. You know, we just work it different. And so I said, okay, let me lean into one of these modules. And as soon as the video started playing, everything in me and Kali came in and that's, it was this loud, clear vision of you. This is not how you're to walk this pregnancy path. You're not in, and it just, it comes in that fiery and loud and clear. So I did something for a couple of moments that went against what I already knew myself and had already told him. It's just my body intelligence and God goddess for this path for me right now. And I went against that for a couple of minutes and I got clamored for it. Look at that. We already came full circle. Yeah. Here. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us. You guys have a great day. We're out. Yes. Oh goodness. Um, I do want to mention before, cause I, I don't want to forget to, to share this, but, um, and you had mentioned, you know, plant medicine ceremonies and you've, you've kind of spoken on that in the last couple of years, but, uh, the ceremony that, that, some of us were a part of recently um, was such a profound experience for me. And, and honestly, it had so much to do with you. And um, I don't know if I'd ever been bathed in so much love and just this maternal safety and yeah, I just, I've, I've thought often about, you in that experience and just how grateful I am for you being there and just your heart. 
Like I just felt it. Mm. And uh, yeah, it just was really important for me to share that. And, mm. and just thank you for being there and being there for me. Mm. Thank you, Cal. Mm. I love you so much. Mm-hmm. I really do. And um, it's really supportive sometimes for me to hear things like that. And so thank you for saying it and sharing it. Um, and also the fact that you specifically said, you know, that mothering piece, I'm learning more and more, you know, even though I haven't yet birthed a a physical child into this earth plane, I'm understanding at an exponential rate, especially in the last few months that the mother in me, the mother archetype in me is one of, if not perhaps the strongest of the energetic encodings that I have. And so thank you, even just the way that you explained, um, that space that I, that I held and Luke has offered some similar sentiments. The first time I was on his podcast many years ago, he had a really big heart opening. Um, and it was the first time ever on his show that he himself started to get emotional and cry. And, and so, yes, it's, it's helpful for me, um, to hear, especially from men, you know, it's so healing because I I have a rough, I have a, a pretty traumatic wounded, um, backstory, you know, just with, with men in my life. And so it's so healing for me to be at a place in my life now where, I have, you know, Luke as my husband and you as a dear friend and you guys are just such just pure gold hearted, just incredible beings who are willing to be humble and willing to be forever students and learn. And the fact that I can sit with you and be with you and you can receive who I am and you see me fully you see my soul and you feel my soul in my heart. It's not just the external. Um, it's, it's so healing for me. So thank you for saying that. And like that night was just, I mean, how epic. So epic. Just so it was all, all the things, you know, it was just the full range of the emotional spectrum. And, but yet somehow even in going into all the nooks and crannies of the spectrum, it was always fun somehow, you know, even when there were some, you know, more emotional things coming up and yeah, I won't, you know, share too much, but yes, I just remember I somehow ended up behind you that night when you were in your little cocoon. (laughs) That was just, I mean, just that sight alone of just where you got, where you landed during that night and just how you landed. It was such a sight. And yeah, I ended up behind there and I just, yeah, I could feel you, you know, whatever you were doing as you were cocooning, I could feel it. And it was truly spirit who moved through me. It And I, and I remember saying that to you that night or the next day, it really, it was of other than me that, you know, reached my hand it, to, to put it on your heart and to say the things that moved through it, it was spirit wanting to remind you and wanting to get in as, as deeply as it could for you to connect with that truth and remembrance within your own self and to allow the unlocking, you know, to continue, you know, those, we, we both know when you sit and have a night like that, the medicine of that night forever works with us. Yeah, it does. It does. Then that's, that's so beautifully stated. And that's what I remember when I think back on that night, it's just that it's almost like the 
cosmic surgery that, that you were performing that just allowed me to get, you know, more in touch with, and that was my intention going in, like to, to connect to that heart. And yeah, you really, um, yeah, help facilitate such a beautiful experience. And I think it's a great reminder for, for people who have either been through plant medicine experiences or thinking about it. it they don't have to be these big blast off what the fuck is going on experiences. There's so much medicine in doing it in, in, I don't know, just such an intentional and beautiful. And yeah, it was, I think everyone in that night just had a, a similar experience of, wow, this is kind of cool and fun. And yeah, there's some work to be done, but it, it doesn't have to be so fucking challenging. Yes. Yeah. There's so much potency in, in the subtle realms. And I love, I love being in there. That's, that's another area where I've gained quite a bit of mastery is allowing myself to live in that place and where I go in and do my examinations of things and lessons that things that I need to see and, and, and also with others and also it's taking me a little bit to um, some of my sacred times uh, with peyote. And of course, everyone has their unique experience with it, but peyote and I have a real ancient dynamic and rapport. And I, I love its workings and, and, it, and it works, in my opinion, in more of those subtle planes and realms. And that's the medicine. And I, and I really trust Luke would be fine with me sharing this because he has before. Um, otherwise, I would never say it. But that's a medicine he really struggles with. And it's really challenging for him because, um, you know, he prefers more of the shabami powwow light bulb moments of awareness and like, you know, knows exactly what's going on, like what alchemical change is happening and how, and like peyote goes into those subtle, intricate threads and like does its work and does its weaving in such a subtle, but wildly profound and potent way. And that was, those were some, even though we weren't sitting with that particular medicine, uh, the night we're talking about the whole container felt more of that essence to me in terms of the, the subtle body and the subtle energetics and the refined, um, intricate places that we were all able to go for such big change. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, like you said, the big clamor over the head. It doesn't have to. <laughs> I feel like I've definitely been called in the last three or four ceremonies into that, those kind of lighter realms and um, just walk away feeling full and restored and not trying to pick up the pieces of, of what just happened. Yeah. And one little thing that's just coming in, as you were saying that, let me see if I can find the words, the visions come in and then I have to try to put human words mm -hmm. to it. But, um, it was taking me, is this okay? Is, can I share something? You share everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just want to be sure. So one thing I remember that was coming in and I don't know how much it resonated then or resonates now was a bit of an alchemy happening and within you of trusting that in you connecting more fully or all the way fully with your true pure gold heart doesn't mean that business cow and like ambitious, you know, attaining powerhouse cow goes away and trusting in fact in 
working with a different type of energetic and trusting in a different type of embodiment, even though it's heart rooted and heart based, it can actually, um, open you up into an even grander type of power than what you knew before as the attainer, like, you know, top, just go to the top and get it at the top all the time, Cal. And for some reason, the type of energetic of the ceremony took me to that. Cause again, it was you trusting you're like in the last few ceremonies, I've been working with the energetics differently. And I think it's all a part of this whole thing that you have been doing for a while now of walking this new way, this new path and all these different types of portals, the smaller overnight sacred ceremony container portals, and then like the bigger, like your life and relationships within your life, you're really reorienting yourself and, and trusting to be and live in a totally different way. And I wanted, I see that, and I don't know if any of that is true, but it, I see that and just want to honor that in you because it takes a lot of courage because you've attained a lot doing it the way that you did. But there's that deeper part in you that knew, yeah. that knew you, you needed to pivot. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because recently, you know, that we just got back from uh, Peyton and I and our daughter and her friend from four or five days on spring break. Mexico. <laughs> yes. And I, I slept a lot. You know, I took naps. I didn't, I didn't really do anything And it. was like, I was like a day and a half in. I was like, oh, I, I need to tap into this. I've been going still. I'm still going. And waking up in the morning and hitting the ground running. And I'm, I'm tired. And I'm using different things to boost my energy, whether it's feel free or microdosing, whatever it is, there's just a kind of get me going and then I'm good. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm not good. I actually need to rest. And this is something that our friend Boyd Vardy has talked to me a few different times. He's like, brother, you need to build your chi. You need to rest. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you just don't do anything? And I got that message big time this past week. And so I'm trying to honor that this week where I cleared the schedule of a few things and just trying to rest when I'm tired and sit here and watch the the March Madness basketball with my sons and just not do anything. Go to bed early. And it is the great unlearning. Yes. I mean, you're now becoming a true testament. Not that you weren't before, but in a really profound way, you're becoming a living testament of your own brand, your own show, your own teachings. You're what you you're you manifested all of this for yourself. Of course, right. <laughs> you know, yes. yes. You're like, I'm gonna call my show and brand, <laughs> you know, unlearn the great unlearn. And then it's like, okay, well, you, if you're gonna be the master at this and be a true leader, you know, mountain lion, power animal energy for your own brand and show, we're gonna need you to walk the talk and be in true embodiment of that. And it is course correcting you in so many different ways. And the last thing I'll say, <laughs> I think I said that a while ago, but um, is, you know, I, I love where you're at and how it's working. And I've been in these zones countless times in my life. And I think if we, we need to give ourselves the grace and permission to, to, to let it have its own dance and time 
you know, these, these awarenesses of what we need to shift and change. Again, the last thing we need to do is put pressure on ourselves that like, you've got to have it figured out. And that pivot has to be made by Tuesday. It's like, you know, we're these light beings connected to all these infinite energetics. And when we get these awarenesses of what needs to change within ourselves internally, and then externally in our lives, like it's a true alchemical dance. It's a weaving. And there'll be times where you're like really pretty dialed into this new energetic. And then there'll be a day where you see that you kind of slip back, but it's it just, as long as you trust, and I, I know you do, and I do, and you too, that it's just the conscious awareness that holding the conscious awareness of where you are going overall, and then giving yourself the grace of the dance of the weave of getting there. Yes. I mean, I guess that's life in general, but. No, but that's, I think that's missed by, by a lot of us. And, and I know that for me, it has been like having the awareness and then not beating myself up about yes. it. Like, oh, you're just doing the thing again. Okay. Like how can we shift this so you can be on the path that feels, you know, more aligned with where, where I want to walk. And yeah, just, again, this is like, just like the, the spring break was a reminder. This part of this conversation is another reminder. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. Just trust that rest is important. And the more I rest, the more present I can be. And the more I can, connect to the heart versus all the external things that I'm creating and working with and and doing, which are kind of pulling me away from that. And so it's like getting into that balance with that has been, I guess, the, the, the part of the journey that mm-hmm. I'm kind of on lately. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to unlearn and it's letting your cells, you know, it's like these massive shifts that require some of the deepest courage possible you know, it's, it's going into the marrow in our bones. It's going into our bloodstream. It's going into our cellular DNA. It's going into our energetic light bodies. It's going into our chakras. It's going into our auric field. I mean, there's a whole lot that's going on as we courageously devote and commit to completely changing our life in a lot of different categories at one time. So (laughs) anywho, I see you, I honor you. And, um, it's, it's been really beautiful to witness. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, I do want to, in listening to your, your solo cast, which was amazing. It was my first one. I know. I couldn't believe that. (laughs) This is the first time you've done it. It was, it was great. Anyone will, will link to it in the show notes, but it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, but I learned a lot about you. Mm. I didn't realize that you were big in athletics growing up and then you got into radio host and media and just, can Mm. you just land for everybody? Because it's not necessarily how you identify today, but it's an important part of your journey. Yes. Yeah, it is. I think it is healthy and fun to track back a little bit. And I also feel, and I'm, and I'm happy about what I'm about to say. I think it makes me a bit more relatable, you know, um, yes, I'm a shaman, but I'm also still, I, I'm still just as human. And I, I love the quirky, goofy, you know, fumbly human in, in me as much as I love the shaman in me. But yeah, when I let people know that I grew up in this tiny little town in Indiana called Syracuse, I had one stoplight when I was growing up, I think now maybe it has three. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I grew up in a very small town and my dad, who I love very much, um, you know, big teacher for me. And a lot of teachings came from some childhood wounding, but I love him and he's got a, a really beautiful heart and soul. But he became my distance running coach before I was even three years old. And so that started some of these pieces that I really had to do a lot of work around when I got into my adulthood. But yeah, I was in my first running road race at like two and a half years old. There's pictures of it actually. I have my little, um, I think they were, if I can't remember if it was, I think it was a pink Nike sweatsuit and little blue Nike shoes with a yellow swoosh. I have, I remember. And, um, And so, yeah, he ended up being my coach for a long time. I won a couple of national championships as a distance runner, and I got a scholarship to run at the University of Alabama, where I was an athlete for five years. And then, yeah, after Alabama, I I was a division one college coach, believe it or not, for a while. It's, It's so funny when I say some of these things, because it truly does feel of not this lifetime. You know, when I see if on occasion, I, you know, back when I lived in New York City for about 13, 14 years, you know, some of the, the road races or marathons that would weave when I see runners now, like it evokes this like really strange feeling in me. I don't want to say it's PTSD, but it just feels so <laughs> foreign. And I can hardly picture myself as that, you know, with the, you know, the number pinned to your shirt and just people barreling down the road. I'm like, oh my God, that was me from like two and a half through 23. Um, So anyways, yes, hardcore, intensive athletic background. And it was when I was an advanced certified personal trainer at a gym in Florida. One of my clients one day came in and said, you should be my radio show co-host. And so even though I had had visions, I I told you when I was a little girl, um, I always saw myself in media on mics and, and cameras, but I thought maybe a sports broadcaster. Um, that was not the case. I was a talk AM talk show co-host in Florida. And then I got hired um, to be the morning show co-host at a hip hop station for many years. And that, that was an adventure. I was, it came at the right time in life though. You know, I was still young. I had to get up at three in the morning. Oh shit. The morning show is legit the morning show. And, you know, I was also writing the hip hop and Hollywood news headlines. So I was going in, I was getting up at three, going to the studio and doing research on like what the latest news headlines were in the industry and writing those up. And also, you know, we would typically have, you know, different rappers or hip hop artists on, or I actually, even though this is very far pre-awakening, I would bring psychics in and I would do dream analysis for the listeners who would call in. So I was weaving in. So even though I was in all these other worlds and I hadn't had my spiritual awakening yet, that, that real innate part in me, um, always gravitated toward the world of world of metaphysics and spirituality. Wow. How long did you do the morning show for? That, I think that was like th- three or four years. And then how long was, were you on the air? Like during each day, each day I was on Monday through Friday for, uh, many hours every morning. I got it so long ago. I think we were on from 5 45 or six in the morning until like 
I think till 10. I mean, oh, it was a shit. long, it was a long morning show. It was exhaustive. In fact, you're reminding me. So at this time, while I was doing the morning show, I was also the division one college coach. So I would leave the studio and then go coach division one athletes. And I almost had a breakdown at that point. I remember one day when I was driving home, I almost drove myself to the hospital instead. I was just fried. My circuitry was just fried in all capacities, pushing way too hard. Um, so yeah, I almost had a breakdown at that point. And those were some of the signs that were coming in that eventually did pluck me out of radio. I, that's when I moved to New York city. And that's when I was started working in television. I was, um, working in production for a lot of major networks and also for nationally syndicated talk shows, um, that, Wow. Those were not healthy environments. I will just say that. Uh, could have stories for days in that world. And while I was working in production, I was auditioning because I love... I I am, I'm, I'm a host, you know? You I are such a host. I'm like, you totally... I, I, yes, you on a set. Yes. Beautiful. The energy, the smile, the... Conver- yeah. It's just, it's so encoded in me. You know, it, it really is a natural gift. I, I'm not, it, it just is. I, I'm just going to own it and claim it. I'm I'm so at home on set. And and all the media I did, the radio and the, the television talk show that I ended up hosting, it was all live. So I got very strong at just, I mean, when the lights went on and that door opened, like just going with it and being real. And I, I actually love live media more than anything. So, so yeah, I did all of those things and it was around the TV talk show hosting time that I had my awakening and my divine intervention via a previous, very unhealthy, dysfunctional, long-term relationship. And there is a whole story with that, but yeah, my, my, my time happened. It was a one moment in time in a one day where my clear audience gift turned on. I received information and answering that information I was given, I saw really horrific proof of what was going on in the relationship. And in seeing that proof, the veil lifted that had been so tightly pulled down over my third eye and my truth and my egoic shell. I could feel it energetically. My egoic shell just got obliterated off of me. And it's a classic story of, you know, you know, dropping to your knees and crumbling to the ground, but simultaneously having the most enlightening, miraculous moment of your life, like the both, wow. the duality at, at I once. I feel that. Oof. It was a life changer, Cal. And now I'm a shaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go figure, you know, anything's possible, kids. Yeah. <laughs> you truly never know. I mean. So this happens. How soon after did you kind of pivot out of, you know, uh, media and and start doing some different work? Yeah, that was an intriguing time that really is of service to share about because you know, a, a lot of people in general, not just probably listeners of our, of our shows, but just in general in life nowadays are in these voided areas of feeling these old paradigms of the old way of how they were living life. It's becoming unbearable, you know, and, and, and there's just no more denying that who you once were is just not who's trying to be embodied in you and who's trying to be born. And when you're in that voided zone, it can be really um, terrifying. And 
So yes, there was a lot going on at that time and, and tons of breakdowns to break through tons of, oh my God, massive initiations and rites of passages guiding me home to the, the truth of the shaman that was always living inside of me, but just laying dormant until this time. It's making me burp. Excuse me. It's like, <laughs> it brings up a lot. Um, when I go literally, in. that's so good. Literally. Uh, yeah. So, okay. To condense it down and to make it clear and perhaps have some tips in there. So I was being given vision. So, okay. Big step number one, after I had my awakening and whole life got turned upside down, I started to see the truth of me, the truth of my ex, the truth of earth life. And I flew back to Indiana to stay at my grandmother's house. And I had additional awakenings. I stayed in the back bedroom. And over the couple of weeks, I had more and more awakenings sent to me. And spirit was showing me, replaying my life, but without all the illusion and denial. So it's taking me back to all of these experiences, but I was seeing them in truth. So it was just awakening after awakening after awakening. And from there, I realized I needed a lot of help and I was not who I thought I was. And the big step I took was my surrender and speaking to my own soul, speaking to great spirit and great mother earth. Okay. I'm finally ready to get out of my own way. I'm finally ready. I didn't say it in this way at the time, the getting out of my own way, I think I did, but it was, I'm finally ready to get out of this like mind-based ego-based way of living how my mind and ego thinks I should live and start to get enraptured with uh, you know, all this, all this help that's always there that I just was suppressing and denying. And I was also suppressing and denying my own spiritual power and gifts. So in finally speaking the surrender statement, I, I mean, when you do that, the guidance and answers come, it, they absolutely do. And so I then heeded that guidance. That's vital step number two. If you're going to surrender and ask for the instructions to come in, I mean, I guess you can just ignore them, but you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> like that's not going to do much. So I heeded what was coming in. They started guiding me to different shamans. My aunt being one of them in that soul retrieval session with her, that's when my main core power animal, the black jaguar came in after that soul retrieval session, three supporter power, power animal allies, the bear, the deer and frog came in. So those four were my main four spiritual guides that helped me in this most disorienting time, discombobulating time. And they all gave me different medicine, different teachings, um, which I can get into in more detail at some point if we want. But so this is, this is happening. I'm also being shown visions. Well, so I devote now. I, whatever spirit's telling me to go to heal, I'm on it and I'm doing it because I realize I have a lot of work to do. And after doing this for quite some time, I don't know exact numbers, but I want to say maybe a year and a half-ish, my soul had healed enough and it was in a place of readiness enough for the truth of my shamanic calling, the shaman in me to start to express and activate and talk to me more. And as that was coming more online and on board and on grid within me, then I started being shown visions of how my truth as a shaman and, and 
being a shaman out there. You know, we're, we're all, every single one of us are different. I've, you know, there's no two shamans alike. And there are a lot of shamanic colleagues I have who are more in the caves and more tucked back in the cut and people go to them one-on-one and you would never know that they're shamans. That's not how I am to walk this path. I am to be very much out and sharing and helping people remember, you know, these, these wisdoms. So I started being shown this and that's where the medicine name Rockstar Shaman came in. I was at at lunch with uh, three other friends. I was having a breakdown. I was crying because I was being told what I needed to do, but terrified in doing it. And also it's like, okay, I'm being shown these huge visions of me on stage in front of thousands of people, you know, healing people and guiding these journeys for like 10,000 people. But what's first, what's the next step? Like, you know, that just doesn't happen overnight. And so I was crying with my friends at this, um, it's called Peace Food Cafe in Manhattan really breaking down. And in that conversation, the medicine name downloaded in rock star shaman. And so that became, and there was a whole journey and that name continue, that medicine name continues to be a teacher. I mean, is it to take some of the, 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 um, I don't know, the gravity or the, the, the being a shaman, it's almost like make it a little more playful or it's that, but it's also representative of the two main places that I connect into rock, great mother earth and star, great spirit. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, oh my God. I had definitely not put that together. Most people don't. And it's a part of the medicine for when the moment happens that you can, (laughs) it's been a whole journey saying yes to that name. I can imagine. And and it's, it's, I'll share a story for, for me is uh, we were at a dinner with a few other couples. I don't know, three months ago, I think it was in December. And you and Luke came up. I brought you guys up. I forget what the context was, but as you can imagine, just lovingly. And uh, one of the women who I love and she's super sweet made kind of a, like a little chuckle or something. And it was based on Rockstar Shaman. Yes. Uh, I was like, look, I don't know the story of any of that. But I will say this, she's one of the most amazing women I've ever met. And so whatever you think, mm-hmm. you don't know her. And so just open yourself up to whatever. But I can imagine you get a fair amount of grief for that. I have encountered a lot throughout the years. And, you know, I've definitely gotten so much stronger. I mean, I so clearly know who I am. I so clearly know my heart. I so clearly am aligned with my divine mission and with divine and pure energies. And I know that, but there's still that human part in me that even when I hear that story, like had I, had you told me that five, six, seven years ago, I probably would be crying. It probably would have felt like a dagger to my gut. You know, it used to very viscerally affect me because I'm still human and I still knowing my good heart and knowing I'm a really wonderful person. It still pains me to know that there are people who have never, I guarantee this woman's never met me. Never met you. She has not. She said that. I don't know her. There you go. And every single time that I hear stories like this, it's someone who has never even met me, who has these triggers 
and these judgments that come up. And, and so, yes, there's still a little part of me that's like, oh, well, you know, you know, that that's a little bit of a shame. Like that's a little hurtful, but I trust in the medicine of it. And as a medicine woman, I know that I'm not here to be easily digested by everybody. My medicine is powerful and it's potent and it's freaking bold and it's brilliant. And at times it's masterful and it's times it's human, but it's, it's strong, it's strong medicine. And so, yes, to answer your question throughout the decade plus, or however long since I've been given that name, I have received the full scope of people's reactions. Um, and it's, it's tends to be two categories, people that hear it and they're like, fuck yeah. Like, who's this woman? Like, (laughs) you know, they feel the potency and, and there's something in them that wants to lean in or learn more, or they, they just, they feel, they feel the texture and it resonates or it's the other side. It's the people that's, you know, scrunch their nose up and have snide remarks who have never met me and they snicker and they want to be condescending and try to downplay my medicine and downgrade the potency. And it typically, I've had people come back to me who have been honest with me and said, when I first heard your name, I had a reaction. I was triggered, but the people that do the work and are aware of triggers and know that there's a medicine and a trigger and they go into it, I've had a lot of people come back to me and say, I was triggered when I first heard it, but when I investigated the trigger, I realized you were shining a light on the place in me that's playing too fucking small and not owning my divine truth and not owning my divine power. And that's the spot it was hitting in me. And that's why I was angry at you and annoyed by you because you're fucking owning your divine power. Wow. So it, I mean, I'm glad that we went into this and, um, It's just, I've been doing this for long enough and I do enough to, it gets me a bit emotional. Like I do enough to help this whole world, planet earth. You know, I do this work with such honor and integrity and the things that I do every day that no one knows about that are of service for every living being on this planet for both the seen world, this waking, walking world and the unseen world. Like I live in devotion and hold incredibly exhaustive at times, strong space to be of service in these ways. And, um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. I just want to, I just want to honor that about myself. Like I, I, I know who I am and I know the place from which I do this work from, and I know the place from which I live from. And I'm, and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of how I have walked this path. It is absolutely not been easy. There have been countless initiations that I don't know. I don't know a lot of other people who honestly could have held the line and kept going the way that I have, but I do because God goddess tells me to. And, um, so for whoever that woman is, send love to your heart and perhaps we'll meet one day. I'm sure you will. Thank you for sharing that. And I feel that and I feel like your power and your heart and so grateful for the work you're doing. And, you know, um, 
you know, you've had a lot of initiations lately. One of them is this book. Yes. The book. And so I'd love, I'd love to just dive into that. Um, it's interesting as you were sharing on your solo cast, as you were, um, tuning into the book and opening up to, to different parts, there were two that stood out for me that I needed to hear. Hmm. It was interesting. The, the story of the leech. Oh, it's one of my favorites. (laughs) Well, I've been feeling my liver needs a detox, like feeling it profoundly. And I'm just like trying to sort out like how, how, what's the, what's the way to do this? I reached out to Dr. John Laurence. I was like, dude, do you have some sort of liver detox? He's yes, he's got something, but I'm super curious mm. about this actual process of working with leeches. Cause <laughs> I think you and I are, are very similar in the sense of like, that sounds kind of terrifying, but I'm willing to give it a shot. There's clearly something that's resonating within you. Yes. It was so powerful. Um, that was, so the instruction and guidance came in. This was when I was in that, I think that voided zone of TV hosting world dying off, former life, former relationship, all the things dying off, heeding the, the surrendered calls of divine. And somehow, I don't remember exactly how, but I got pinged into this world-renowned Austrian leech therapist. Um, I forget his name, but it, it lives. You, did you literally go to Austria? No, he lived in Brooklyn. He, okay. he came from like, Austria. Yeah. I can make no, no, that no. happen, but fuck. <laughs> no, he was trained. Um, he's yeah, born and raised, lived in Austria, was trained in leech therapy in Austria, and then came and brought his services to Brooklyn. And I, so I found out about him and I think similar to what's happening in you, when I heard about it, there was just this something inside of me that just pinged on, that lit up, that resonated. And I was like, oh gosh, cause you know how, when the divine instructions come in and it's something that, you know, you need to heed, but there's that other part of you that's like, oh no, I really don't want to lean into that. It happened with me with Boyd in, um, listening to him being on a podcast, a friend had sent me. And I mean, I just think about everything that came out of me answering that call, Uh but his, uh, the host had been on one of Boyd's, uh, track your life retreats. And he talked about one night they stay out on the land, no cover, no nothing. Just one of the men stays up and watches the fire for an hour and a half, two hours, wakes up the next guy. And the idea is you have to keep the fire going. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like you put everybody at risk. Ooh. And in this experience, the, the, the host, Patrick O'Shaughnessy talked about a hyena that came into the, you know, where they were sleeping and he had to kind of like sort out what to do. And if it got really harrowing, he had to wake up, you know, Boyd or one of the other uh, guides, but he didn't have to. And I thought like, that sounds terrifying to me. And I feel like I need to go do it to, to show that I can, I can handle it. Mm. I can do it. Mm. And because. I went there. I mean, you know, that Boyd, the relationship that, that I've, you know, he and I have developed, but everybody here in Austin that's been able to share in his medicine. I mean, oh, talk about a shaman. Yeah. Holy shit. So anyway, so I answered that call, but I'd love to hear more about your, your leech experience. Yes. Yeah. So the call came in, the ping got pinged and um, I knew it was something I need to, to do, but I had never 
seen a leech before. I had certainly never interacted with them. And, you know, just like so many things in life, we get so kind of conditioned and brainwashed through media and movies, whether it's what a shaman looks like or what shamanism is or what leeches are like. I mean, it runs the gamut. Media can, I mean, there's some good sides. We're both in it and it's done a lot for me, but there's also some huge downsides to media as well. And um, so, yeah, I just had this vision in my mind that they were just super creepy and scary and And so, yeah, I went in with a lot of hesitation. I did document it. So me getting this first session, I did more than the first one, but this one does live on YouTube somewhere. And um, we'll see if we can find it to to put it in the show notes. It's, I haven't watched it in probably more than, I mean, probably like a decade, but I would actually like to watch it again. Um, It was, yeah, it was quite a fun episode. Um, And, and so, yeah, I arrived to the, uh, the leech therapist's uh, office and, um, oh gosh, it just, I get so emotional as you heard in that solo cast I did when I was using animal power book as a divination tool to guide that solo cast. And the first page I opened to when I asked it to guide me on the podcast journey, it was to my leech story. And I just started crying because I have such reverence for them because, um, yeah, so I laid down and, you know, he explains to me what the protocol is and and the process. And he gets, uh, I mean, he opened the refrigerator and showed me, I mean, just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of leeches just in jars, just leeches everywhere. So that was my first transmission when he opened up the refrigerator door and I just saw them all alive and living in there and just swirling around. I was like, Okay. And in a few moments, they will be attached. <laughs> These will be attached to me. And okay, I can do this. And so I got into position and laid down. And um, there was a lot of like Lamaze type breathing going on. I was really trying to prepare myself. And um, the other intriguing thing is, uh, have you ever seen one in their mouths? Like they have these circular mouths with hundreds and hundreds of little tiny teeth. That's like a valve type suction mouth that are surrounded in hundreds of teeth. And so he was explaining to me that you'll feel the mouth latch on with all of their hundreds of teeth. But then, you know, being the loving, beautiful creatures they are, they secrete their own um, pain, painkiller, pain medicine before they then start to go into phase like two or three of like secrete. They have, they have like 140 different healing enzymes that they start to take in, put into you while simultaneously extracting the lymph that needs to be extracted. So you can get leech therapy on different parts of your body. But yes, my first time that I got it, I think there were five or six placed above, right above my liver for a liver detoxification and healing. And when they latch on, I know that they've got that painkiller, but I wasn't really, I mean, I have a very high pain threshold, um, AKA the, uh, the sixth or seventh kidney stone I passed a few mornings ago. Shit. Yeah. So I, I understand how to work with pain, but like you feel, you feel when the leech attaches, I will just say that. Um, but there was something just so profound that started to happen when the leech attached and then he and I, you know, were connected and bonded in this way. Like we became one organism, you know, in some ways, because he's attached to me and I'm attached to him. And there was just something so 
powerful that started to happen in that moment. And then when I started to witness, I got brave enough to, um, you know, once they started to get attached to like, at first I couldn't look, you know, it's like like getting a (laughs) shot or something. Yeah. But then when I started to understand them more through feeling them laying on my belly and feeling them, their maneuverings and the bonding started to get deeper, I felt ready to look. And so I started to watch how they would work. And that's where I just started to have my heart just so blasted open. I could feel their generosity. And it was, I mean, that's why the story lives in the book because it's a classic, powerful story of pure alchemy of that major shift of fear and terror in a matter of seconds, all the way over to the other end of the spectrum of unconditional love and reverence and sacredness. And these little creatures did that for me. And so having then that encoding of that, alchemical power that never leaves you, you know, so the, the, the teachings and the, and the medicine of of the alchemy that the leeches taught me in that first healing session, I'm then able to use it in any situation I'm in, in life. It can always go back, whether just energetically or really thoughtfully and consciously and whatever way I need to the alchemical teachings of, of leech of learning how to shift from fear to love and reverence. So I love them so much. I went back again, had it done on my knee. I mean, I would do it again if there was somebody that we knew of here that's um, really great at it and does it in a really respectful way. Like I would do it again in a heartbeat. I recommend it to anyone where it's resonating. It's a beautiful, powerful experience. So yeah, let's do some research. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to definitely do some research on that. The other one that, that really landed for me, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but the, the, the idea of the whale and how sometimes the Mm. whale has to go beneath the surface Mm. and rest. I was like, Oh boy, I needed to hear that. Yeah. The whale has, Oh gosh. Yeah. It's, it's some of the mm, trying to, it's tough sometimes to put words. I'm trying to find a word for its texture of, of its essence and its medicine. It's um, the word abyss comes in, you know, the whale, it really presented a lot actually in that tail end of 2021. There was a lot of whale medicine in there in terms of another thing that it represents. I mean, think of these massive, I know for me, even when I just see a video of a massive whale, it's almost like it's almost terrifying because it's so huge and you can just feel the power of it. And then this massive being just goes down into those darkest, scariest ocean waters where you never know what you're going to find down there. And whale was coming in, not just for myself, but for the collective a lot at the end of 2021 of, of guiding us into those shadowy unknown waters, going into some nooks and crannies and some depths that we might've thought we have traversed before, but we really hadn't and really truly going there and being down there as long as we need and receiving whatever teachings we need before we come gradually back up to the surface where then the light starts to come from going down into the dark depths and the shadows and so whale is a powerful teacher also of, of sacred sound. If, if you ever want to, um, just sit and power animal medicine, you know, turn on a YouTube video of whale songs, you know, and just sit. 
just sit for a couple of minutes at the bare minimum and just listen to, there's no creature that makes the the noises and the sounds that a, that a whale makes. And no one's been able to decode it. Like no scientists and all their years of studying, they, they can't understand these mystical whales and sounds of, of, of the whale. It's incredible. I love those two so much. Mm. Well, let's talk more about the birthing of this book because it, it wasn't kind of uh, the path didn't, you know, follow along as it, as it was uh, presented perhaps. No, none of it was what I thought it would be. Even back to when I was aligned with my calling and, um, and then we know how it works when you get aligned with your, with your truth and your earth mission, then things start to really gracefully and more synchronistically happen for you. And so I started to be reached out to by literary agents and publishers. I was taking all these meetings. Again, this is when I was living in New York. So countless meetings with all these really incredible people in these industries. And I could not get clear on what the book was. This went on for three plus years, I think somewhere around three and a half, four mm. years. And so out of the gate, the whole book journey was completely opposite of what I thought it would be because I've always been a writer. Ever since I was a little kid, I always knew I would be an author and writings always come pretty easy and naturally for me. It's, it's a skill that I was, was given And so, you know, you can imagine then, you know, circulating around for three plus years um, and never getting clear that I trusted, but at times was frustrating. And then I finally got clear on the book, uh, got clear on who I wanted my agents to be. And in that clarity, that's how I got clear on the book and meeting with them and a more in-depth talk. And so I flew to Bali to write the book. And in my first morning meditation, the second I closed my eyes, now, mind you, I had been working diligently daily with the Power Animal Guides for many, many years at this point. And we had developed already a, a deep trust that went both ways. Them trusting me to be a voice for them. I was already guiding thousands of people on guided shamanic journeys to meet their animals. So they, you know, and, and I trusted them to show up for me when I would be doing live readings. And so we had a deep relationship at this point, but I closed my eyes for the morning meditation. And as soon as I did power animals, as far as the minds I could see, I mean, hundreds or thousands of them all Hmm. entered in together. (laughs) They all just came in and they had a message for me. And that message was that cute little book that you think you came all the way across the world to Bali to write. You're not writing that book. I thought I was writing a book on surrender. (laughs) And I had to surrender that idea and let that one go out the window. And they said, we want you to co-create a modern day power animal guidebook with us. And it was one of those moments when the instruction came in, it was like the biggest duh moment, you know, because I'm like, oh my God, of course it's this. They were the first spiritual allies to come in to help me. I've been working with them every day for so many years. How did I not think of that? So I messaged my agent, said, you know, I live by the calls, so I hope you're on board, but I'm no longer writing a book on surrender. Uh, the animals have requested that we do a dance together and they love the idea, thankfully. So then changed course again. And yeah, then I worked on the book for many years, probably uh, from the time I started to work on it till the time it came out, it was probably four or five years. So, I mean, it was a long game, long haul. And then amongst, especially when I got to actually writing it, my intention 
was that it be a pure living, divine, breathing medicine book that would serve everyone's highest, greatest earthly good who would open their hearts and want to receive the book in, that it would provide the exact dosing type of medicine, whatever transmission that was meant for their highest, greatest earthly good. I just wanted it to be a pure divine entity of a being. And so you can imagine when that's the foundational intention for then what you are going to write and crystallize and allow to take shape into physical form so that it can come from this vision into a tangible earthly piece that sits on, uh, on a table, boy, um, it was a big intention to set. And I'm so glad I did because the power of how it works with me and the stories I'm already hearing of what it's doing, it's exactly what my heart wanted, but it brought with it just so, oh my gosh, um, so much. I mean, number one, it's a book that shares and teaches about shamanism and there's just, I mean, case in point, even the, the lady who doesn't like me, who doesn't know me, um, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of sensitivities and confusion and misperceptions and misconceptions around who shamans are and what shamanism is. And I couldn't just skip over that. So I had to just writing the author's note alone, those few pages at the beginning of the book, before we even get into the power animals, the author's note was by far the by far the most initiatory thing I've ever written in my life. And I, Luke and I happened to be in Sedona at the time. So I was in Sedona. That place was already throwing me around its copper healing <laughs> crystal bowl and trying to spit me out. It was not, not a real enjoyable place for me. So I was already trying to navigate that while writing the author's note for this living medicine book. And it just, um, oh God, yeah, because what I'm, and I'm not the only one that's being asked to do this, but one of the tasks that I have been given is to help be a returner of shamanism back to what it really is, back to its original truths. And that's a big responsibility and one I absolutely don't take lightly and one that I really didn't want to have to say yes to. And I resisted that task for a long time, being an educator in the space, two very different things when you're a ceremonialist. And like when I was in New York city guiding, you know, um, tons of people on, in, in shamanic journeys, that's one thing. But then when you're asked by spirit to be an educator of shamanism, that's a whole other ball game. So yeah, this book, they're just, um, Again, I honor the human in me and I'm not trying to say that I don't fumble at times, but what I choose in walking this path is to do it with the best embodiment, the healthiest embodiment and integrity that I possibly can. And when you have the intention for the book that I did, and when you choose to walk the spiritual path and the shamanic path in the way that I choose to the best that I can, there can't be any, any crap in the book. There can't be any words or, or energetics or anything that I'm not in alignment with that aren't of divine truth. And so this book, it just took me into so many wild, hard places. And I, 
The other place I give myself a lot of credit for is I, I held the line on what I knew this book needed to be and what I was told this book needed to be. I, I, I love my publisher. You know, they've been great to work with and I, I can't imagine a greater final product and outcome. So I'm so happy to have voyaged with them. It was a shamanic journey for all of us involved this whole way, let me tell you. But, you know, they have their own expertise and viewpoints and perspectives. And then I have mine and I have my divine instruction. So I had to hold a, such a strong, clear line, even when, hey, you know, we think this or we think this should be removed. Or do you really even something small like do you really think tick should be in the book? A lot of people have an aversion to tick. And I'm like, we don't run away from what we have an aversion to in shamanism. Like we lean in, why is there an aversion? And so there was just countless times where there was a dance and I don't want to label things as a battle, but there were times where I had to be, I'm, I had to muster the grandest, strongest force and strength within me to hold the line for this book to end up being exactly what it is. And it was not an easy feat at all. And then it was supposed to be out in October and found out it was pushed six months back to March. It was stuck on boats and other places around the world. So when I thought I was about to birth this book out, then I realized what I thought I needed to then pull it back in me and hold it back in. And then as your light wife, who's such a dear close friend of mine, such a beautiful, wise sister and soul and doula reminded me so lovingly during a cacao ceremony with just four um, myself and three other friends. One day she was like, honey, that is not how births work. You can't pull the baby back in. We got to get this sucker out there. And so that ended up taking us in that cacao sipping you know, just girls hang day turned into this whole <laughs> powerful shamanic birthing. Like I was literally on the floor. Your wife was at, you know, I had my sweatpants on, but she was at my, you know, vagina and was helping me. I was like breathing. And it was like, it was a real thing that was happening. I was really letting myself energetically allow animal power book to be born. And I could feel it moving through me. I could feel it moving through the birth canal. I could feel when I needed Peyton's guidance and I asked for her to come in with her hands and to help it needed, the book needed a little pivoting and she helped guide Animal Power Book out of my sacred vessel, out of my vagina, energetically <laughs> into the world and in the meantime, another friend's dog knocked my cacao over and, and it looked like afterbirth was spilled all <laughs> over me. I had cacao all over my pants. And then my other friend is singing these like shamanic sacred songs. It was a whole scene and unplanned, but it was what needed to happen. So that happened. I mean, I could literally go on for days what happened writing this book. How did, how did you feel after that birth and in, in the moments, the days after, did you feel that you had moved it enough? I, I felt a shift and I knew it, that that was what needed to happen. And it was absolutely the right thing, but it was just, it was still just, it was still such a dance. Um, because yes, I had birthed it energetically. So there was a form of it birthing, but there was still this other form that still had to be held by me because it, it, it wasn't, in people's hands yet, you know, people who that had ordered it, you know, 
last June, um, you know, they're waiting almost a year to get it. And I'm, so it's like even something small of like people DMing or emailing or asking like, well, I ordered this book, you know, last, last April, where, you know, where is it? Um, the fact that it just physically wasn't on the bookshelves yet and wasn't in people's hands. So there was still this other aspect of the birth that I still had to carry and hold that was a bit challenging. And what's recent that happened as I thought after the animal power book release party that you all were at here in Austin, I thought that the day after I would feel like a huge weight lifted. I thought I would feel this massive sense of landedness, if that's a word in completion. And I did it the next day. I felt so on edge and like testy and a bit out of sorts. And Luke and I were running errands and I remember saying to him and he, he's so great. He's just, I can't even imagine a better partner. And he holds such impeccable space for me in all of my forms, even when Kali is coming in and, (laughs) um, he's so great at it. But I said, you know, honey, I, you know, I, I, I never like to apologize for my feelings because I I accept and embrace them all. But I just said, I'm aware that I'm just on edge. And, and I, you know, I apologize for that because I, I thought that today would be a bit more liberated and free and celebratory and I'm not there. And it took me half the day as we were running errands around, we were in a parking lot. And when he drove the car over one of the little speed bumps in the parking lot, for some reason, when the car hit down on that bump, the download of clarity came in and it hit me. And I was like, I'm feeling vulnerable. Oh, because now people have it. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Oh, yeah. You know, now people have it. And my soul has been, you know, bared fully in the most ancient and all-encompassing ways in this book. And now that I know that it's being delivered to people's doorsteps and people, all the people that came to the book party left with a copy. And now, now it's in people's hands. I was feeling so vulnerable with that. And also it was a beautiful teaching of me letting myself expand and receiving more, more love and learning how to let it in and learning that I can trust myself to hold even more than ever before. And so I was aware even before you guys started to arrive at the party as we were setting up and I was there at Alive and Well, I knew, and I was even saying, I think to Luke or somebody, I'm like, I need to let myself be celebrated, you know, because it's very easy for me as the quote unquote healer or shaman. It's like, and a seer, I can see what, other, other people's shadows are, their neuroses. I can see what they need for healing. So my natural state and incl- inclination is to go to someone and provide relief or uh, whatever to make someone else feel better. And I knew, I was like, I need to sit here and I need to let myself receive what I typically give. And I need to let myself be celebrated. And I need to let this night be about me. I need to let this night be about me. And it's a foreign enough aspect that I had to say this out loud so that I could be present to that the best that I could. So it was vulnerability in terms of growing and capacity to receive and hold love and vulnerability and my soul being bared. And now people have it in their hands. Last part is just yesterday Luke and I went for the first time to a physical store to see if animal power book was there. And so that was my first experience. We went to the Barnes and Noble over here and sure enough, there she sat by one of Joe Dispenza's books on, uh, on the shelf. And, and, and that 
And so again, these are all examples. This book journey is always taking me in a way in a place that I never expected. It was going to the bookstore. That is what gave me, when we drove away from the bookstore after seeing it there, that's when I felt everything was landed. And that's when I felt the weight lifted off my shoulder. And that's when I felt the sense of completion. And I never would have guessed that. So it has just been the wildest, most beautiful, all-encompassing voyage of my career hands down by far. And you know, there's so much more with this book too, that, that that's coming. What did it feel like when you saw it at Barnes and Noble? It felt, it felt, oh gosh, how did it, oh boy. I, you know, hmm, let me see how it felt. It, uh, th- these are really basic words. They're not like profound ones coming in, but it, the first two, it felt real and it felt right. Felt real and it felt right. But let me see. I feel like there's one other thing. When I sat there on the floor and pulled Animal Power Book from the bookshelf at Barnes and Noble, and I'm sitting there holding that book in my hand, it felt astounding is coming in and it felt Okay, hang on, centering. I felt honored because I really know that this book was a co-creative effort. You know, I obviously could never have done it without great spirit and great mother earth, giving me guidance, anchoring me, sustaining me to hold the line. Obviously couldn't have done it without the power animals, without William, the artist who passed away. Like, so it's an absolute co-creation in so many ways. And it, it just felt like such an honor to be a part of bringing out into this earth realm, into this earth plane, something that really holds within it just such a pure divine medicine and essence that I know will live so far beyond what I live on this earth. Like to feel like I I made a real substantial divine contribution to the earth plane. And that kind of form is different. It's different than guiding a ceremony. It's different. It's a different texture and energetic. Um, So it felt like a huge honor. That's what it felt. That's awesome. And I, and I've heard you talk about this before, but you've said this isn't your book because it was divinely channeled, but it is your book. It is my book. And I, and I, I love the, the idea that it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. It can be both. Yes. I I think, um, yeah, just honoring all, all that went into this for you, you know, all the, the blood and let's imagine there's a little blood, but the sweat, the tears, all the anxiety, all the hours and all the, the work you've done in this lifetime and previous to be able to birth that. Thank you. I hear you and I receive that. And I also acknowledge what you said fully. Um, yeah, I can feel the past life's that helped lead me here. 
Yeah. To say yes, you know, and that's another interesting thing. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of stories already. I mean, people, even as they're opening it out of the box or the envelope, a lot of people are getting blasted open and, and crying upon just first glance or, or just really trippy, amazing animal stories and just how the book is already weaving with them. Um, so I know the potency, but another interesting thing is you know, it can be like, oh, it's, this is, it's animals and, and, and it's colorful and it's vibrant. And I wanted the book to resonate both with adults in a really like chic, classy way, but also I wanted kids to like it. And so the, to be able to witness that happening too. Um, but there was a reason why I was going into how, at first glance, it might be, because I'm looking at it sitting here on Cal's table. Um, at first glance, it could just look like a cool or pretty, you know, fun book. Um, but yeah, it to say yes to that instruction, um, it was a big, it was a big task that, that took a lot. And I definitely crashed when the man final manuscript was turned in. I've never, not even in my most intense athletic days, I've never known exhaustion. Like I knew when that final manuscript got, got sent, I, I, I really pretty much collapsed. And I, and then I asked why I'm like, oh my gosh, didn't see this coming either round number 500 of that. Why am I feeling so exhausted? And it took me to everything that we've been talking about the, the line that I had to so strongly impeccably hold and the space that I had to hold in order for that to come out. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I'm freaking tired. Mm. So I've been resting and recharging and just only recently been taking like little step when I feel called to, um, to kind of step out with different offerings, but I've been really having to learn my divine feminine and learning how to just be like, mm. like you. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The book, it is, it's beautiful. The, the illustrations by William are, are amazing and it is just very approachable. It sits beautifully on a coffee table or on your bookshelf. And so someone could just very unsuspectingly pick it up. Oh, let's, let's look. Is this a book of pictures? Like what is our illustrations? And all of a sudden it's like, boom, they just drop into something they did not see coming. And it's really, and I'm like a, well, I don't know if I would label it microcosm, but it's, that's kind of how I am too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm friendly and I'm approachable and I used to be an athlete and a hip hop morning show host. Like I, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a shaman in, in a lot of both traditional and modern ways. And so I've got a big smile. That's I'm very approachable. You have an amazing smile. That's so good. Thanks Cal. And our thanks to my ancestors, whoever gave it to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the same kind of dance a lot of times with me, you know, people on the surface might be like, you know, again, back to the lady at the dinner party, you might be like, Oh, what a, whatever she said, you know, I'm not putting words in her mouth, but whatever other people might say, like either what a joke or she's, um, like a, a, a pop culture or a surface level shaman. Cause you know, maybe that's what it looks like, but that's absolutely not the case. So I'm still blown away by rock star. <laughs> God, that's so good. Yeah. Okay. One last question before, before we wrap, Kay. how did you 
and maybe you didn't select, but how were the other contributors to the mm. book brought onto the project? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. I haven't really talked about that too much. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to remember, mm. I, I don't have a clear detailed memory. I just recall just always having a sense, a knowingness that I wanted to involve other friends and, and shamanic colleagues of mine. Um, I wanted it to be a vessel that housed people's teachings who I trust and, and, and their transmissions and embodiment. So, um, yeah, I really just tuned in. I, I remember just meditating a lot and, and similar. It's honestly not that different than what we're talking about in terms of podcast guests. I just would tune in and meditate and it took me on a really beautiful voyage. There are some uh, sh shamanic teachers and, and people in there that I've actually never met in person, but I was guided to them. And I knew of them and I could feel their embodiment. And then when I reached out and said, you know, I know we, and like, we might just follow each other on Instagram. And I would say, I know we've never met in person, but I'm working on this animal power book. You know, if it resonates, I'm asking, you know, about 25 different contributors from all around the world, different traditions and, and teachings to share, you know, do you happen to have an every time, like, do you happen to have, they will come back with, I have like, oh, this animal totally changed my life. And, and so I was just impeccably divinely guided. Um, but there was a funny situation at the end where I was technically past the final deadline date for being able to turn in the final manuscript. So, or no, 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 it was going to print, I think. Yeah. It was going off to print and initiation number 12,000. Um, <laughs> so there were, there were some, stories, some, some contributors, a couple contributors, it just was not meant for them. And it was not meant for their energetics to be in the book. And it was past the final past deadline date uh, to make this change, but it, it absolutely had to be done, like mm. had to be done. And, um, Oh my God. And that's like, that, that's the schism point of like, when I get this clarity that something has to happen yet I'm being told just from like a, a an earth-based like business, whatever, uh, you know, level, like that's not possible. And then that thing's hitting up against the thing that I know has to change. It creates such an, um, uh, an intense, uh, situation inside my own being. And so I, said like this, this absolutely, like we have to find a way. And so thank God they said, if you can, by the end of today, like come up with a macaw story, it had to be macaw and snake too. Like it had to be those, just the layout of the book. It like, it, it couldn't be any other animal that had to be those two. And I had to get it done that day. And I tuned in and I happened to text our friend Shiva Rose. And I said, Shiva, my God, Sister, no. I have got an emergency book situation. Do you, <laughs> do you happen to have any connection to the macaw? And thank God, not only did she text me back, like in real time right away, but she texted back and she said, this is the weirdest thing. My, I have wild stories with macaws. My family, you know, they had to, they were refugees from Iran. And, um, and when they got over here, uh, they 
their her, their family owned macaws and she had these like really wild um tumultuous relationships with these macaws and one day she um ingested mushrooms and it the relationship was able to shift she was able to telepathically communicate with the macaw and realize the macaw wanted to be set free and she like set this macaw free and there's a, there's other details to the story but it's one of my favorites in the book it's a really powerful liberating um story so she came in with the macaw and then Boyd, Boyd Vardy, who I've, you know, is close friend of both of ours. I've also had him on my ceremony circle podcast. I, he was in town staying here at your house. And when I, I think I texted or I came over here. You happen to be here like that day or something. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And I was like, Boyd, you know, do you happen to have a snake story? And he's like, well, only the time a black mamba slithered on my body for five minutes in the African bush with my father. And he bit a hole in his cheek because he thought it was going to kill both of us. And I was like, can you write it for me today? And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, today. So I love to give honor and props and good shout outs to both Boyd Vardy and Shiva Rose. Of course, to all the contributors, they added such, you know, additional depth and texture and enrichment to the book. But those two were like my angels that came in and the beyond ninth inning to save the day. So yeah, it was, um, there's incredible stories in there. Oh, so good. Okay. So where can people find the book? How can they work with you? Where can they find you? You've got the, the, uh, accompanying deck coming out yes. in August. Yes. You guys have one laying around here somewhere. Um, yes. Animal power deck comes out August 16th and I most recommend, uh, getting animal power book by going to my website, which is allisoncharles.com, And I spell Allison A L Y S O N because if you go to the animal power book page on my website, you will then get sent a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum. And you will meet the power animal who is wanting to come in to support you at this time. So it's, um, it's a cool thing to have. And then you can obviously reference the animal in the book. You can also get it anywhere books are sold. I know a lot of people love to go to the independent bookstores or Amazon, wherever. And then Instagram, I am at, I am Allison Charles. And then my podcast, Ceremony Circle Podcast. Um, yeah, it's a good time over there. We close every episode with the guest sharing like a healing ritual. And so the listener gets to actually immerse in a healing practice at the end of every episode if they want to. Mm. So. Well, I noticed you brought some, I did. some tools of the trade with you. I did. You never know. And I also, you know, know Peyton. I mean, you guys both have drums. I was hitting yours in here in the beginning and I love Peyton's drums. So something just in case. So it was like, ah, bring your dolphin rattle and bring your drum in case um, something gets evoked. So, yeah. Do you feel called to it? And, and it's okay if, if no? Yeah. I mean, the rattle's actually calling me more than the drum. Let's see. Um, with your permission, I'd like to see if there's any power animal that wants to come in and has a message for you. I totally forgot to yeah let's let's see would you like to do that yes okay i have cal's permission you heard it here all right i'm going to tune in so i just always make sure i always start my day connecting and anchoring in with honor to great mother earth and then connecting into the divine center of my being tuning in to my heart and then lifting that line up into the center point of source consciousness divine honoring and thinking great spirit I'm just reattuning to that vertical line now. 
And then calling forward, if there's any power animal who wishes to make themselves known for Cal's highest, greatest earthly good, we are open to receive you and your message now. Hmm. Gosh, there's a whole fleet. You have a whole power animal army coming in a bunch but I think there's one main one that's still trying to make its way in. So far, um, butterfly and penguin revealed. Butterfly for your transformation, Ping penguin for the balance you're trying to feel, but I feel there's another one trying to come in. Stand by. Mm, interesting. Turtle just appeared. <sighs> Let's see why our turtle friend came in. Mm. Okay. It's honoring you. I always love when these readings happen um, because they typically tend to either be a power animal that comes in with like a specific message or a piece of advice, or what is happening today is when a power animal comes in in a bow, a sacred bow to a person. And that, yeah, I know I'm feeling emotional <laughs> over it too. So the turtle is coming in just thanking you for allowing yourself to get more truly and deeply reconnected back to the most ancient truths that live inside of you and allowing yourself to get grounded back into those most ancient truths. It's thanking you for doing this work you're doing and honoring, affirming, and giving a bow to you and doing that work. Mm, and she just said, she reminded me, she said, I represent the great mother. Your work is seen, it's felt, it's valued. Your inner work. Good work. I see you allowing it into all the lines. That's how it's done, cow. So ready, so doing it. Take that turtle shell off your heart. You don't have to protect it anymore. Our last instruction for you is to put music on and go out in your backyard barefoot, like tribal, ancient, shamanic music, just barefoot, just let your feet stomp and connect with Great Mother and even further, you know, activate those transmissions and remember, remember that ancient soul that danced on the dirt, that danced on the red dirt. Thank you for being here. I just love you and adore you. And I'm so grateful that you're in my life and our family's life and for all the work you're doing. So thank you. Receive and thank you. I adore your whole family and love you so much too. I see you, brother. I really do. I see your soul. I see your heart. And just thank you for welcoming Luke and I into your home and into your family. And, you know, we're really... We treasure our relationships with you guys so much and we yeah, we love you so much. We just say all the time, just randomly, like, Duh. it's just, you know, Cal and Peyton, you know, like we just like, we just feel randomly one or the other just on a regular basis. But like, how much do we love Cal and Peyton? Yeah. <laughs> it's a regular conversation in our home. So we love you guys. Thank you for having me and seeing me too. And for just speaking my honor and your experience of me um, and and 
holding the line for me in a room that where I wasn't there. Thank you for doing that for me. Hey fam, I want to thank you again for tuning in and sitting by the fire with us. I have truly poured my whole heart and soul into setting a safe and authentic ceremony space for you in every single Ceremony Circle podcast episode. And as we are now more than 65 episodes in, if any one of these shows has uplifted you, benefited you, inspired you, taught you something new, I would greatly appreciate with all of my heart you taking the 10 seconds it takes to positively rate Ceremony Circle on Apple and Spotify podcasts, and even share a sentence about why you've been enjoying it so much in the reviews. I really believe in this sacred practice of reciprocity, and as I have given so much these last two seasons, I deeply appreciate feeling some love sent back my way so I can keep this valuable, transformational content coming to you for many seasons to come. Much love.